Welcome back to Connect with Encompass Health. I'm your host, Hilary Carnell, Associate Director of Public Relations. I'm very excited today to introduce one of our extraordinary leaders with Encompass Health, Dr. Lisa Charbonneau, who has served as our company's Chief Medical Officer since June of 2015. She came into her current role after serving as the company's Vice President of Medical Services, and prior to that, she served as the Medical Director of Encompass Health's Inpatient Rehabilitation Hospital in Portland, Maine, where she is currently based. Dr. Charbonneau is a physiatrist, which is a physician specialized in physical medicine and rehabilitation. Among many other achievements in 2020, she earned the impressive distinction of being named to Modern Healthcare's most influential clinical executives list. And I must add, most importantly, she shares my love of rescue dogs. You know, I had to add that in there somewhere. My pleasure to join you. Thank you so much for the invitation. In your intro, I mentioned that you were a physiatrist. This is not a medical specialty that people are commonly aware of. So to start things off, would you mind explaining what the physiatry specialty is and what led you to a career in it? So um, physiatry is a specialty that really focuses on helping people regain function after they've had an injury or an illness that requires rehabilitation. So for example, if somebody has had a stroke and they need to learn to walk again or uh, to uh, work on talking or swallowing, uh, they would require rehabilitation for that. Um, also, physiatrists specialize in physical medicine, so sports medicine injuries and other musculoskeletal injuries uh, are often treated by a physiatrist as well. I got interested in physiatry back uh, when I was a medical student, and I was doing my medicine rotation and had a particular uh, patient who had had a stroke that I was very involved with, and I wanted to see how the patient did after they were transferred to the rehab unit, and I kind of followed the patient over to the rehab unit and was very intrigued by everything that was going on there to help the patient regain uh, the function that they had lost, and subsequently, I did a few elective rotations in rehab medicine in uh, New York City, and it really clicked for me. It was something that I just fell in love with. Very nice. Now, tell us a little bit about your role as Chief Medical Officer of Encompass Health. So I am very fortunate to have a job where I work with clinical leaders in different areas uh, that help our hospitals uh, provide the best rehabilitation and the most updated evidence-based rehabilitation and high-quality rehabilitation that we can to our patients. So I oversee the quality and clinical excellence department, um, as well as the department which you mentioned in the intro, our medical services department, which provides education for uh, the physicians who practice in our hospitals. So we're here today to talk about something we're all still talking about, coronavirus. Would you take us back to last year when news of the coronavirus was first starting to break? Going into March 2020, Encompass Health had 135 operational inpatient rehabilitation hospitals, as well as a replacement hospital and two brand new hospitals expecting to open by end of year. These hospitals were not just located in one spot of the country, they were spread across the United States. That's a lot to think about. What was going through your head as you were starting to prepare our teams for this? And at what point did you realize this was really going to greatly impact us. So I remember back to hearing about the SARS-CoV-2 virus in China uh, at the beginning of the year um, 2020. And I started to listen in on some uh, calls with 
subject matter experts in infectious disease. And uh, the news that the virus might be spreading from China to other countries was obviously very concerning because this was a novel virus. So it was uh, a new virus that we had no uh, prior exposure to, which makes us very vulnerable. And it was a zoonotic virus, so a virus that jumped from uh, the genome of an animal to infect humans. Uh, so that was very concerning to me, and I remember um, speaking with our executive team uh, when I heard about the virus and doing a little bit of education with them and telling them uh, what everyone's saying is that we should hope for the best and prepare for the worst. And that was kind of the beginning of our journey. And my first thought was that we needed to make our hospitals aware of the possibility that this virus might come to the United States. And uh, that involves um, doing a lot of education for our infection control practitioners in our hospitals and our medical staff and nurses as well. So Encompass Health was able to put together a task force and elevate our infection control policies very quickly. What are you most proud of about our response? We were very fortunate because actually several years ago uh, when I became chief medical officer, we had looked at our infection control practices across the company, and we realized that there was a fair amount of variability uh, between our hospitals in terms of how they were handling infection control. So at that time, we uh, worked on developing a white paper specific for infection control in the inpatient rehab environment because the CDC had uh, guidelines for acute care hospitals and long-term care facilities, but we were somewhere in the middle and they didn't have anything really specific for our patient population. So I think that set us up really well to deal with this um, infection that we've had to deal with over the last year plus. And I'm just very proud of our um, hospital's ability to comply with recommendations from the task force and to enforce the infection control practices that uh, we needed to have in place in order to avoid having significant spread of the virus uh, throughout our hospitals that might affect our patients and our staff. And yeah, I never in a million years thought we'd still be talking about COVID this this time this year. And it's hard to believe it's been a year since COVID-19 changed our world. While hopefully it won't be something that we are faced with at this level forever, it has certainly left a mark on healthcare, in some ways for the better. You recently authored an article on the Encompass Health blog where you shared ways that you think the pandemic has changed healthcare. So let's walk through those. One of those notes was that through this, we found that inpatient rehabilitation is the right setting for medically complex patients. Tell us a little bit more about that. So our experience with patients recovering from COVID-19 has led us to uh, reaffirm something that we already knew, and that is that in the inpatient rehabilitation hospitals at Encompass Health, we are able to take care of patients that are fairly sick. Uh, so this, to those of us who have been working in inpatient rehab um, for many years, this was not really new for us, but the, the, our experience with the COVID-19 uh, recovering population reaffirmed that our physicians, our nurses, and our other clinicians 
are able to provide the higher level of intensity of care needed for uh, complex patients who are recovering from a serious illness. And uh, what we found with patients who are recovering from COVID-19 is that they present with a myriad of symptoms that is highly complicated because the disease affects multiple organ systems. So initially, uh, when we first heard about this virus, we were told that it was a respiratory illness. But what we've learned in the last year is that, unfortunately, these patients really are affected uh, in multiple ways other than just the respiratory system. And so when they uh, are ready to leave the acute hospital, many of them require rehabilitation for significant weakness and uh, an inability to function at a level that would allow them to return home. But also they have a myriad of medical issues that are ongoing and with our higher, higher intensity of medical and nursing care, we're able to uh, work with these patients and help them get to a point where they can go back to the community. And we have treated uh, about 10,000 patients recovering from COVID-19 at this point, and we've been able to get about 80% of them um, directly home back to the community. So I'm very proud of that as well. Yeah, that's remarkable. I know from the communication side, our team has been on the the storytelling side of a lot of those stories, and they've been inspiring and just really quite remarkable. All right, let's move on to the next point. Um, We've seen a heightened awareness of the mental health of clinicians. How do you see that continuing on in the future? Well, what we've seen uh, because of the phenomenon of this uh, novel coronavirus is that uh, as you know, hospitals were very restrictive in terms of allowing visitors and families to come and be with their loved ones who are in the hospital. And that because of the need for the staff uh, to wear uh, a lot of PPE and, uh, you know, be masked and gowned and goggles or have face shields on, patients uh, many times have gone weeks without ever really seeing or interacting with another uh, human being uh, and being able to see their face. And this has had a tremendous toll on these patients and uh, as well as the staff. So I think that this experience has really highlighted uh, how important it is to make sure that we're attending to the mental health needs of patients and staff who are uh, surviving or taking care of patients who are critically ill and what that experience has done in terms of isolating our patients and also really pushing our frontline healthcare workers in uh, ways that emotionally are extremely challenging uh, has really taught us a lot about making sure that we pay attention to the needs of our clinicians and our patients as far as their mental health uh, goes. And I I really don't think that's going to go away. I think that's something that will uh, persist beyond the epidemic as well. And another thing you touched on was the telehealth experience. And I know I've personally had a couple of telehealth appointments, and it's been very convenient for me. But tell us a little bit more about how telehealth will continue to be an option for the right patients and circumstances. So uh, for us on the inpatient rehabilitation side, we've been able to expand our uh, physician and mental health uh, services to patients 
using the telehealth platform. And that was something that was made easier to do because the government recognized that there needed to be a waiver of certain things that made that more difficult to do prior to the public health emergency. And so, uh, for example, if we had a patient who really needed to see um, uh, a psychologist or, uh, let's say, pulmonologist, and uh, those types of healthcare providers were not able to physically come to the hospital, we were able to work with our uh, IT department to facilitate having telehealth visits for those patients while they were with us. So that has been uh, extremely helpful on the inpatient side, although most people think of telehealth visits as something that you do for outpatients, which is which is also very helpful. But uh, for us, this was a really uh, new experience, and it's been very successful. And in many of our hospitals uh, across the country, we're located in relatively remote areas where there might be difficulty getting a certain kind of specialist uh, able to come to the hospital uh, because either of lack of availability or their very busy schedule. So being able to offer telehealth visits in those kind of circumstances to help our patients um, deal with uh, their illnesses and their mental health has been extremely well received. Now let's go to another area of the virtual experience. It seems like even outside of healthcare space, as I'm even sitting here planning a virtual baby shower for a friend, we may continue to see an emphasis on virtual gatherings. Let me know your thoughts on that. Yes, it's been a really interesting phenomenon in uh, the education realm for physicians. So many of our conferences over the last year, as well as uh, meetings, for various organizations have had to flip from being in-person to virtual meetings. And that allows um, increased accessibility for people who are unable to attend meetings in person for various reasons, and also gives a lot of flexibility to uh, attendees of different uh, conferences. So, for example, some of the uh, conferences I've attended in the last year have been able to have the lectures uh, recorded so that if you were not able to attend in person for the live event, that you could still go back and uh, listen to those lectures and get your continuing medical education credits for uh, watching those lectures at a more convenient time. So now what I've seen happening is that looking forward into the future, even going into the end of 2021, Many conferences are going to offer uh, a choice between attending the uh, conference in person or having a virtual experience. And certainly there's uh, advantages and disadvantages to both of those, but I think having that increased flexibility is something that I could see persisting beyond the pandemic as well. Yeah, I know uh, we supported a symposium at a case management conference last year that you and Dina Walker spoke at, and we were even able to increase the number of people that we could have watching the symposium because, you know, we didn't have a room limit or a fire code to meet, which was pretty neat. So another, yes, absolutely. another point you made um, is how we're used to being able to be with our loved ones during most parts of their hospital stay. And during the pandemic, of course, that wasn't allowed to keep our patients safe. So what do you think we've learned from that experience? 
Well, what we've learned is that uh, it's really key to have very strong communication between staff and patients, and that very uh, small actions to make our patients feel uh, more like family uh, and more uh, cared for are very important and go really a long way for patients, especially when they're limited in their ability to to see and interact with their family or other support systems. So we've really expanded our repertoire in terms of how we communicate with families and also how we facilitate communication between our patients and their families. So we have used, obviously, uh, IT, uh, FaceTime, and other platforms in order to help patients talk and uh, see their families virtually. Um, we've had family come, uh, you know, to the other side of a window on a first floor patient room in order to uh, visit uh, through the window, so to speak. So we've had to be creative and find other ways to make sure that our patients get that support uh, from staff and from family because it's so important as you're going through rehabilitation uh, for from a serious illness or, or injury, um, really having your family involved or your other social support involved is a very, very important part of the rehabilitation, and they need to be included um, in, as we formulate a rehabilitation plan for a patient as well. Yeah, we've seen our hospitals get very innovative from different families being out in the parking lot and having big banners and signs of support to one of our hospitals having a high school band play in their parking lot to kind of lift patients' spirits at this time. So we've seen a lot of great actions from the community and and families and um, from hospital staff, too, as um, they're coordinating a lot of these special special events. Now. Let's talk about, you know, we're here at the light of the end of, of the tunnel, we hope. Um, thankfully, we're beginning to see the distribution of vaccines. So why do you feel comfortable receiving one? And what would you say to those who may be hesitant or concerned about science behind the vaccine? I've spent really a lot of time listening to the scientists and experts who developed the vaccines and uh and trying to understand how the vaccines were made and how they work. And I feel very comfortable and, in fact, have received uh, the two doses of the Moderna vaccine uh, because I feel very, very confident in the science uh, behind these messenger RNA vaccines. Uh, it, it, it really is uh, a wonderful thing that we have been able to develop very safe, highly effective vaccines in such a short period of time. And that is really as the result of increased uh, attention and focus of our scientists and uh, researchers who work in this field and have dedicated their lives to uh, creating vaccines safely. And so what I would say uh, to anyone who is hesitant or concerned about the science is that you can be assured that all of these uh, clinical trials were done with a lot of rigor, and they have had independent scientific panels review the data extensively. And those uh, scientists and researchers are uh, nonpartisan. They have dedicated their lives to science and vaccine development and uh you can really be assured that these vaccines are very, very safe and highly
highly effective. So I would not be hesitant at all to get the vaccine when your turn comes. Uh, another reason to do that is that as we are looking to get herd immunity, which is uh, the immunity that will happen when we vaccinate enough of the population so that people who can't get the vaccine uh, will not get the disease any longer. And the only way for us really to reach that goal is by making sure that a large percentage of the population uh, gets the vaccine and has this immunity in a relatively short period of time. Because the, the longer that the virus is circulating out there uh, in the world, uh, the, the more opportunity the virus has to mutate and to create variants of the virus that may make people sicker or more resistant to vaccines uh, or may uh, uh, be more resistant to the treatments that we currently have available to treat COVID-19. So we really need to work on vaccine hesitancy and make sure that uh, uh, as much as possible, people feel comfortable taking the vaccine to protect themselves and also their loved ones as well. Thank you. All this is very good information, and I know this has been a learning experience for us all, But and you have put in many, many, many hours throughout this pandemic, and we can't thank you enough for your leadership for protecting our patients, our staff, and our communities. So um, a wholehearted thank you to you for that. Thank you so much, Hillary.